Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. This is How Do You Do That with Emily Tresseter on Joy 94.9, the show answering the questions you didn't even know you had. Usually I would introduce this week's guest, but I think they do a better job of that than me. Hi, my name is Phil Ferguson, better known as Chili Philly. I'm a full-time artist that primarily works in creating wearable crochet artworks, mainly with the theme around food. And I video and photograph them and upload them onto Instagram. Like there's something about creating sort of these soft, colourful objects that I really like. Like they can just exist in my house and they bring me joy. And they are fantastic. (laughs) So, so, so cool. When did you start crocheting? So I started crocheting maybe, maybe 10 years ago now. I just taught myself from YouTube, just, you know, learning how to make little objects. Because originally I'm from Perth, so I was studying at uni, I was studying fine art, and picking up crochet as a skill was just sort of a thing I did because I primarily worked in sculpture and mixed media. So learning that skill was just me upskilling, basically. Throughout uni, you know, I was playing around with size, different colours and all that sort of stuff. So it's been a long time, but that's how I started picking up crocheting as a skill. And you literally just picked it up because you thought, okay, I'm already doing a tangible medium sculpture Mm. and it would be a cool, different way to create sculpture. Yeah, like I've always been brought up around sort of craft. So the idea of, you know, sewing, knitting, cross-stitching, embroidery, all those sorts of things has never been a foreign concept to me. But creating objects and, I don't know, I'm a hands-on sort of person, so I always do work with my hands. I'm not a drawer or a sketch or anything. And so sort of seeing something physical, especially when you're at uni because you do have a lot of those resources around you to be able to, you know, make things with wood, you know, make things with clay, etc., etc. I was like, okay, cool. I can see this specific thing to make a 3D object. I think I can do that. I know I can. And I just did it. I just picked it up because it was just another thing to add to my toolkit. So when did it go from just a new skill set to creating the stuff that you've started putting on Instagram? When I left uni, I had sort of dabbled in sort of making things that were wearable, just sort of basic hats. So I played a lot more with colours and size and stuff like that. But when I moved to Melbourne, so I was like 21 when I moved to Melbourne, that was seven years ago. And so when I moved, I really got into drag as just like an idea. I think I really got into drag race back then and I was like, cool. I want to create sort of wearable crochet pieces. And so I kind of got the idea of creating crochet wearable art pieces. I think I was just really into like the idea of being a club kid and that sort of thing. Even though I hadn't necessarily gone out much in Melbourne at that point, I did like the idea of creating like a wearable object on my head that I made myself. And so I had the idea of making hats that looked like objects originally. So I worked on making like a pot plant hat first. And then after I made that, I then started working on making this like burger hat. But this was all before I decided to have an Instagram. When I lived here maybe six months, I had gone on so many dates and all this sort of stuff. And I hadn't necessarily made a lot of friends outside of my workmates. And so I realized, oh, I could upload these sorts of 
things that I've been making onto Instagram and maybe through that I'll be meeting new people. So what started for Phil as a way to meet new people blossomed. Here, Phil talks about the landscape of social media at that time. Back then, social media was so different. It was only, what, seven years ago, but Instagram was not the beast now. Like, you could upload one thing a week and that'd be perfectly fine. And obviously, these days, you have to be constantly uploading content. So, yeah, so I just was like, okay, I'm going to make an Instagram account. Also, back then, like, going viral, you could go viral in a very different way. Back then, like, BuzzFeed and stuff were really popular and they had so many of those little galleries that had, like, look at this crazy person that does this thing. And then it'd be a gallery of like different photos. And so while I was making this burger hat, I was like, okay, I think we're going to make an Instagram account where I upload these photos of me wearing these crochet objects and we'll see how it goes. I have a feeling it'll go viral and yada, yada, yada. So it wasn't until I started making my Instagram account and started committing once a week to making a new hat that I was committing to sort of making this body of work that revolved around these things I was making. And then you did go viral? Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's you weird. Were right. <laughs> yeah, no, well, it's weird because, like, I always say, I've said this so many times now, but, like, I've always thought that, you know, I would go viral, but it happened a lot sooner than I thought. I made my Instagram account August 2014, and then the first time I got contacted for press was October. So the wow. turnaround for me to even get any sort of attention was two months. Two months, yeah. And then by the end of the year, I'd already gone, I was on BuzzFeed, I was on Huffington Post, I'd done some, uh, an interview with BBC, and then that took off again, and then I was on TV. So, like, the turnaround was really, really quick, and that was just because I had an understanding of how social media worked back then and what I was capable of doing. And so, yeah, like, it really did take off, and that's why ever since I've been in Melbourne, I've just always done the same thing. Phil talks about how studying fine art and their previous work experience also helped them with Chili Philly. When I was studying at uni, and this was back in WA, so I was in Perth, but I was also simultaneously working at the art gallery at WA, just working the front desk, and sort of having those two sides of the art world feeding my knowledge of how to create things. And in a uni context, they're telling you how to create a well-conceptualised body of work, uh, an art piece something that's very well thought out, people can essentially read the message you're saying or, you know, the intended effect that you're creating is there. While when I was at the art gallery, people would come in there and they would see paintings, they'd see artworks that were, you know, 50, 60 years old and their reactions would be, oh, I could have done that or I could have done this or I didn't like that. I don't get why people like it. It gave me a good understanding of like, you can put so much thought and effort into things, people can also perceive it however the hell they want. And so when it came to social media and how it was back then, it was still very simple. You know, you're uploading things. We weren't doing very many videos at all. YouTube was just the one video sort of content. And so it was so scaled back that, you know, I could apply those art skills to social media and have the exact same sort of intended effect as you would sort of, you know, presenting things in a gallery or anything like that. So, yeah, so I guess like my understanding of social media back then was because, you know, growing up on MySpace and Facebook and then Instagram and YouTube and then having that artist sensibility of understanding how to create content with an intended effect when paired together created what I do. So your previous experience absolutely informed the way that you went about creating Chili Philly and the way that you go about creating your content. Yeah, like one of the things when I was at uni was like I found the niche that I was really interested in 
And so I think a lot of people who just who do succeed in being an artist do have a strong point of view, a strong understanding of what they're doing and why they're doing it. And so when I was at uni, I was very much interested in, you know, institutional critique and sort of creating fake gallery spaces because I loved the idea of playing around with people's expectations when they do enter an art gallery. Some people would enter an art gallery kind of expecting to get told what things mean and why this is important and all this sort of stuff. And when they don't get that, they get annoyed. And, you know, some people bring their own context to their gallery viewing experience and don't need that information. I was always interested in that sort of thing. And so this was my way of sort of playing around with that in a real world application. Is crocheting the only form of tangible art that you do now? Yeah, currently it really is the only sort of physical, tangible thing I do meet. Obviously, I photograph and video things. Realistically, the end result of my most of my work is the photo or the video. So realistically, I actually do primarily work with that as the end goal. But because the crochet part is such an involved process, it is also sort of the primary thing. It's just kind of interesting because I think a lot of people do see what I do as I make crochet artwork, which is obviously how I also introduce myself. But the reason why I also include that I, you know, video and photograph it and upload it onto a social media platform is because that for me is actually the end result. It isn't creating an object. And so, yeah, it's just a lot more involved than I think a lot of people expect or think of it. But I think once I explain it, generally people get it. Here I mentioned that I know they actually sometimes undo some of their pieces, which really leans into the idea that the pieces themselves are not necessarily the end goal. Yeah, so sometimes I do undo things, especially things that I made early on, because one of the things I do always say is that everything I make is a first draft. So I just make it, like I don't necessarily plan on plan it out or anything. I just know in my mind how I want to make something. And then I'll just make it, you know, video it, photograph it. And then, like I was saying, like it already exists in that form, so I don't need it to exist in a physical form. And so I'm doing it all and, you know, repurposing it into something potentially even better. That's the best part about crocheting. Yeah, I find that so fascinating because I feel like when you look at your pieces, they're so involved. You've got like a Ben and Jerry's tub that literally has the words on it. I'm thinking to myself, that must be so tricky. Mm. I actually learned how to crochet in one of the lockdowns that we had in Melbourne. And I'm literally trying to finish a blanket that my mum started crocheting when she was in high school. So it's like 40 years old. And I find it really difficult. It takes me ages to do like one grandma square. So when I look at your pieces, I think to myself, oh my gosh, I can't imagine undoing that because I would, there's so much work in that. Yeah, well, yeah, it's really funny because one of the things, when I first started doing my Instagram and I was like, I'm going to upload these photos onto Instagram and I know they go viral, like one of the reasons why I knew it would sort of be popular is because people do have an understanding of, you know, craft and crochet being a time-consuming process. And so they can see something and if it's being knitted or crocheted, they already know that that's taken a lot of time. And so that's why I like doing it and that's why I've always done it and that's why I always know people will appreciate it because they know at the end of the day I put in that amount of time to create something. It's just kind of really funny because then, you know, I like look at some things that I've made like years ago and I'm like, oh, I don't like it anymore and we'll just undo it all. But it is also very like cathartic experience to sort of like have something I've already made and just repurpose it into something new and imbue it with that new energy because it's, because realistically, I can then also 
undo that thing again and then remake it into the new object. I don't know. It's like a new life for each piece of wool, really. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. Like, I hoard so much of my wool and yarn. Finding the opportunity to finally use it and make it into something is always such a great experience for me. Speaking of the time that it takes, as you said, everyone is quite aware of how time-consuming knitting and crocheting is. How long does it take you to do a piece now? Obviously, you've been doing it for 10 years, so Mm. you're probably well-versed in the way to do stuff. For one of your hats on Instagram, how long are we talking? I usually say for a hat, like let's just say I decided I was going to make an apple hat today. It'd probably take a day or two to make that, like the inside and the outside. Outfits obviously take a week or two to do. But yeah, like it's really just, yeah, just a day or two. But that I say that as I make it doing solid time. Like I'm not doing a few hours here, a few hours here, a few hours here. Like I'm committing a six-hour day just sitting there making something. Two six-hour, six to eight-hour days. Yeah, sitting and you're there. not moving. <laughs> yeah yeah literally it's yeah. like it's very different like some people want sometimes people ask me hey can I commission you to make something and I'm like okay sure and they're like okay my budget is a hundred bucks and I'm like well unfortunately I'm not going to do that for you and they're like why not and it's because realistically if I break down that a hundred dollars into materials but then hours that's I'm not going to make something in three hours yeah. Or two hours or four hours, you know, like, yeah, that isn't, unfortunately, that's not how time really works when you're getting paid. How do you actually come up with your ideas? Obviously, some uh, of them are commissioned, but then there's some pieces that you just make for the fun myself. of it. Or for, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, I literally just make things for myself. Hey, um, yeah. I don't know, because like I was saying, I'm not a sketcher. I'm not a, I, I just don't work in that way. I'm a, I have a visual in my mind and I just want to make it. I think one of the things I'm probably the most inspired by is just like fashion and silhouettes and sort of interpreting sort of pre-existing objects into like a fashion object. And so obviously initially sort of I was doing more literal things. Actually, the burger hat that I first made is a little bit more of an interpretation of a burger. But, you know, after a while I was making sort of more literal versions. And then I think now I'm kind of scaling back again and now making more fashion versions of those objects. I just have, like, an idea in my mind. Obviously, I'm sticking to a theme, but for some reason, food is just such an easy thing to sort of interpret because it is so diverse and so expansive. Because I've done it for so long, I could just mash it out and know how many stitches make this and I know what colours I can use and all this sort of stuff. I just, like, think of it and I just do it. You're like just in the kitchen I'm not... and you see a packet of noodles and you're like, I'll do it. Yeah, literally. Like, I think a lot of people think that I take a lot of inspiration from sort of the craft world I don't know but Mm. I don't even necessarily partake in a lot of the craft world I think as much as people would like to think I do or even the art world so like a lot of my references are more pop cultural than from art and craft. Phil talks more about their artistic perspective. I always try and forefront what I do from the art perspective because I think a lot of people think that what I do yes it is craft but I I'm looking at it from an artist's perspective. So whilst I am using a crafty skill, I am thinking of it in an arts and media sort of way. I'm more informed by pop culture as a whole and media as a whole, more so than sort of the trends and things that are happening in the art and craft world. 
What about the medium of crocheting? You obviously would have to have a love for that because Mm -hmm. you're doing it all the time. Yeah, it's kind of funny because like I was saying, I got brought up on doing, you know, arts and crafts. So it isn't a crazy thing for me to have to pick up. And like I was just saying, like, I just make things straight away. Like I just have an idea and I'll go make it and then that's it. And I just love that I've essentially found a medium that I can, you know, I want to make this thing, I can make it, I can make it fast, and it's a satisfying object to me. There's just something about it that I do like doing. I don't like doing it when it comes to it being work sometimes, like that gets a bit stressful, but the actual object making is something that I don't think I'll ever sort of relinquish. I think it's just always going to now be inherently a part of what I do. It's important to you because you get to have these soft, fun, colourful objects around you and it's a medium which you enjoy. Why do you think Chili Philly is important to the world, important to your audience? I think as time has gone on, I'm fortunate that I amassed a large audience really early on and I've kind of maintained it. I don't know what's wrong with Instagram and I just essentially just had the same amount of people following me for so long now, but... (laughs) You've got a very loyal fan base. Yeah, I do. I love it. They've they've given me what I've I've got as a career. I think it's just one of the things, like, when I first started, and like I was saying before, like, I knew what I did had inherent qualities that would make it popular. So, alongside it being a time-consuming process, the idea of me making these, like, crochet objects that I'm wearing, and obviously the visual of me wearing these objects is inherently funny an accessible theme but also it's sort of an attainable thing if somebody wanted to try and work towards making something I do they almost can so I think one of the things that people really appreciate is just it's someone who's making these objects and really putting themselves out there because I think one of the things and this is what I feel like whenever people used to ask me like how do you make yourself successful on social media and all that sort of stuff and obviously it's so different now these days because everybody's now self-branding themselves even though they don't necessarily do something you know they they could just be a person off the street but back then I would always used to be like you know put yourself out there like you inject yourself into what you do and people will gravitate towards it because they don't want to see like an artist's work and then just see strictly their work it only has so much sort of longevity in that way because they only are in taking what you put out there. But sometimes people want to be invested in your journey. And I don't know, I think by making myself wear my work and, you know, constantly sort of injecting myself into what I do, I think it does create a personal connection to me that I don't think a lot of artists necessarily are willing to put in their work. I've had people who followed me for years and they've come up to me out and about and they're like, I've followed you for so long, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm always like, yeah, now you're meeting me out here. Like, this is where I'm usually at. And so it's just like this really funny thing that, like, I think a lot of people wouldn't necessarily come up to if they they didn't find you, you know, personable. And I think that's why I've managed to maintain what I've been doing for so long. Yeah, it sort of forms a connection with your audience and lets them in not only to your creative process, but also to a little pocket in your mind. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah. I imagine that all of your creations are like children, but do you have Mm. any favourites? Yeah, I always say that my favourite is my burger hat. One because... Iconic. Yeah, it's just like the thing that's just hung around this whole time. 
it's been my profile photo on Instagram for seven years. Wow. Which is correct. Yeah. You've never changed it. I've, ne- I've never changed it. I love that. Which, thank God I look the same. Like, <laughs> it would be so <laughs> awkward if I looked uh, so young and now look so old. But no, I think I look generally the same. But it's just kind of funny because, like, in that photo, I don't have a moustache, but most people associate me with a moustache now. So yeah. that's kind of funny. But yeah, no, I think I would say that one just because that's where the theme began. and. I just always, whenever people ask me for a hero image, I always send them that one. Like, it's just the one image that always gets used. I asked Phil what their favourite part about what they do is. Yeah, yeah. I think I definitely, I feel like I definitely have those moments when, you know, things come out of what I do that I don't necessarily think I would ever have done before or even have met people that I never would have thought I would have met before. I always have that initial thrill from when, you know, I make her object and I'm like cool love it upload it and you know everybody gives me props for it like that stuff's great but I think the times that I really realize that you know like I love my job and I love what I do is when you know I do get asked to be on tv or I do get asked to do present something or I do get asked to be a guest somewhere you know things that come out of it that don't necessarily mean I have to make something for it to happen because those are these are just all perks. Like these are all experiences that I get to do because of what I do, and not because I'm busting my butt to have made an object for it to happen. Those sorts of things are really what make me realize that you know people appreciate it in a realm that is beyond that sort of initial sort of arts craft circle, and that's why I like what I do because you know I get to do all these fun opportunities that not everybody gets to do, and it is because. I've just maintained being a creative person for just for so long. I've asked the best part. What's the worst part? I think the worst part about what I do is is managing the, I wouldn't necessarily say the stress of it all, but maintaining that sort of creative output over long periods of time. Because this is my job now. And so, you know, having to maintain and upload things all the time that stuff is so draining especially when I initially was successful doing things weekly I didn't need to you know update my Instagram stories every day and you know post every few days just to get that sort of traction but social media's changed so much now that you know having to do that is now what you have to do to be successful fortunately and unfortunately like that is the mode that I have to work at like I think the hardest part about it all is trying to maintain that and I'm lucky I can I have enough I'm willing enough I'm more than willing to say I need a break and you know work another job and all that sort of stuff and I know some people probably don't like that sort of reversion for themselves but I'm more than fine with doing that but I would say that's probably the worst part trying to keep up with everybody else because you know you don't want to get lost behind everybody and find out your old news but I do know sort of the trajectory I want to go with my career anyway, and so I don't necessarily feel too stressed by it. You mentioned that you know your trajectory, or at least you know the trajectory in which you want to go. Mm. What is your goal? Where do you go from here with Chili Philly? Mm. I'm really fortunate that because of what I've done, I've worked a lot in media over the years. And so one of the things that I've realised that has really caught interest for me has been producing and presenting. So I really like the idea of producing content and producing, like the idea of producing a show or even working in casting or something like that. Like I love that. And then presenting. So like just being the talent. I think a few years ago, I realized like I needed to find roles that sort of essentially fed into 
what I did without it primarily being that I had to crochet for a living to maintain my profile. So the idea of working another role that is still in media in whatever capacity, but still was able to feed back into what I did was sort of what I've always had interest in. Obviously, last year uprooted so many plans that I would have had. And so I'm basically working from what we can do in Melbourne currently, I guess. But I do always have ideas brewing in my head. And I'm super fortunate that I do get approached with opportunities. And so I know I'm on the right path in regards to that. It's just whether or not a new opportunity takes off for that to start going. It sounds like you want to be crocheting in the future potentially forever, Mm, but not necessarily having that be your main source of work. I've always had this idea in my mind that I always wanted to approach being an artist in the same way that somebody who's, you know, a sports person or a musician or an actor or a writer or whatever are able to make pivots in their career that they are able to do both side by side. Somebody could be a famous singer, but they could also judge a singing show on TV. Or like a sports person could be a sports person, but they can also do presenting roles on sports TV shows. Just all these different sorts of things. Like a writer can be writing, you know, their own work in one form and then they can write their own work for something else. Like, And so I've always approached that, you know, I had the potential of being an artist that was able to be multifaceted in that way. And I was always, I've always been willing to do that. And so, I don't know, I've always had that perspective on what I'm going to wanted to do. And so, I really hope that I can, you know, continue on in that trajectory because I feel like I'm already on the way that direction of just what will happen in this sort of like COVID world um, and what possibilities can come about. Before I let Phil get back to creating another awesome hat or crocheted creation, I asked what they would tell someone with an idea like theirs. I've always said to people when they've always asked, how do I do social media like you or what are your tips for somebody who wants to sort of do what you do? And I always say, like, find your niche. Don't be doing and or emulating what other people do because people, it's just like this annoying thing, especially with social media these days, is that we're in a current mode where people love emulating other people and that's what people enjoy. They love that cop, the idea of copying and achieving other people's success through emulating what they do. Like you see in TikTok and TikTok dancing and sort of lots of people pumping out the same sort of content because they know it's popular. But I think the thing is, is that there's no genuine longevity in it because unless you are willing to make that pivot into another sort of avenue with your audience, then you're not going to be able to really achieve a long-term success, which I think you see in a lot of like those like TikTokers is that like, you know, they have this, huge millions of followers and now they're like I'm going to be an actor now I'm going to be doing this now and everybody's like Ugh. but they kind of have to do that because they have to optimize the audience that they've been given because they can't just be another TikToker. I've always said to people make sure you understand where you sit in the context of what you want to do are you provide are you creating original content are you creating something that's original for you don't do something that you're going to get stressed out about or that you're compromising yourself for doing and that be your approach to what you do because you do want to be having fun doing it. You also want to genuinely achieve that success, but you also want to actually succeed because what you're doing is notable amongst the sea of everybody doing the same thing. I'd like to extend a huge thank you to Phil Ferguson for being on the show. It's been so interesting to hear about how Chili Philly came to be and how sometimes it isn't actually the object itself that is the artwork. 
To see more from Phil, you can head to at chillyphilly on Instagram or chillyphilly.com. Thanks so much for listening as always. If you love the show, please spread the word. We love to see more and more listeners and it means a lot. Until next week and thanks again. Thanks for listening to another episode of How Do You Do That with Emily Tresseter. If you think you or someone you know would make a great guest on the show, get in touch. Email howdoyoudothat at joy.org.au. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.